Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The church in Corinth was in trouble. They had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had heard of all that he had done for them, but they were in danger. Knowing that Jesus had died for their sins and paid the price for them, they continued in them. Rather than fearing God because of his forgiveness, they became bold in their sin. They reveled at pagan festivals as they used to when they were still unbelievers. They treated the Lord's Most Holy Supper with frivolity as some feasted and others got drunk, while still others had nothing to eat or drink. They boasted of their knowledge of God. They even tolerated a man who had his father's wife. This was not how it should be. Their lives were not lives consisting of fear, love, and trust in God above all things, but they were lives in presumption and arrogance towards him while thinking they were blessed. St. Paul was concerned for this people. He was, after all, their spiritual father who had brought them forth with his labor in the gospel. He would not be like the high priest Eli, who did not reprove his sons when they sinned, but looked the other way. The anger of the Lord was stirred against them as these two wicked sons took advantage of their priesthood and of the people. As a result, the Lord caused both Eli and his two sons to perish. Paul would not have this happen to his children. He would reprove the Corinthians that they might come again to repentance and a living faith which resulted in the fruit of good works. However, this attitude of the Corinthians was not new. Paul knew that Israel also had fallen into the same temptations because they also lusted after evil things. They desired evil things which were not fitting for a holy people. And these events and all of the Old Testament scriptures were written down for our admonition, for our instruction and our learning. And so he warns them of what had happened to their spiritual fathers so that they might escape the same fate. We should not lust after evil things as our fathers lusted. Our fathers, the children of Israel, had been in bondage in slavery in Egypt, oppressed by Pharaoh. But God had heard their cry for help, and he had delivered them. He brought them through the Red Sea, baptizing them into Moses. He gave them the law and the covenant, the priesthood and the tabernacle and the worship. He made his presence known among them by the fiery, cloudy pillar. He satisfied them with water from the rock and fed them with bread from heaven in the wilderness. And in addition to all of this, he had chosen them out of all the other nations on earth, not because they were great and mighty or especially holy, or because they had done anything to deserve it, 
but rather he chose Israel out of his pure grace and mercy. But instead of enjoying these great blessings of God and living in obedience to him because of all that he had done for them, they lusted after evil things. From this lust after evil things, this sinful desire, this concupiscence, they fell into all sorts of grave sins and provoked the wrath of God over their time in the wilderness. God had granted them much, and he had blessed them greatly, yet they did not want only what he had given. We should not lust after evil things as our fathers lusted, and do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Here, Paul references and brings to their mind the incident of the golden calf. After God had spoken to Israel from the midst of the cloud that covered Mount Sinai, and he had given them the Ten Commandments with his own voice speaking from the cloud, the people were absolutely terrified. They asked Moses to ask God to never speak to them again, but to only speak to them through Moses. And so God commanded Moses to go up into the cloud to receive the law and the covenant. When Moses was gone, the people worried that Moses had died because he was gone for so long. So they asked Aaron, his brother and priest, to make for them idols like the Egyptians had, so that they could worship the Lord their God. The people did not think that they were asking Aaron to make different gods, they just wanted something to represent the Lord like the Egyptians had. This was still idolatry because in doing this they had made for themselves a form of worship that the Lord did not command. The next day they had a festival after the manner of those they saw in Egypt, with sacrifices before the idol, with eating and drinking in excess, and with music and dancing. The Lord was not pleased with their false worship. And when Moses came down from the mountain, 3,000 were put to death for their idolatry and false worship. Paul urges the Corinthians against idolatry because they were those in the church who lusted after those festivals they used to enjoy as pagans. These, there were those who thought that they could worship the Lord Jesus Christ while also participating in these pagan festivals. They thought that they could use their freedom in Christ to eat, drink, and play at these pagan festivities. After all, these were important for building community and business relationships. Every good citizen was expected to be there. But if they continued in this, Paul says, they would continue in idolatry and be giving their approval of it. Do not become idolaters, as some of them were. Yes, it would hurt their business. Yes, it would be seen as unpatriotic and antisocial by their neighbors, but it is better to be friends with God than with the world. The same warning is likewise applicable to us, that we do not fall into idolatry through seeking friendship with the world and its approval, especially when it contradicts our faith. Yes, it will mean loss of opportunities and loss of advancement, and it requires steadfastness and relying on the Lord our God rather than relying on ourselves and worldly means. But how could we not seek him 
and love him and trust in him who put everything above everything else, who gave everything else for us. How can we not trust in him above all else because of all that he has done, even giving his son into death for our sins that we might live? Paul continues, nor commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Here Paul speaks of the events which happened at Peor. When Israel was passing by Moab on their way to the promised land, they camped at Peor. While there, Balaam instructed the Moabites to lure Israel into idolatry through sexual immorality. At that time, many different idolatrous practices involved such things. And so some people ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality at Peor. As a result, the Lord sent a plague on the people and over 23,000 died that day. The Lord did not spare them because they were his people, because they were of the covenant. No, even on the way to the promised land, they provoked his anger, and he did not let them find rest because of their sin. So too, in Paul's day, some in the Corinthian church were practicing sexual immorality as it was tied to idol worship, thinking that they were free to do so because they were forgiven by the blood of Christ and they knew that the idols did not exist. Others took this thinking to grave extremes and terrible extremes and ends, committing sexual immorality that even the libertine pagan world found shameful, such as the man who had his father's wife. Paul warns the Corinthians that these base desires, these evil things that they lust after, have no place among God's people. After all, even those who were about to enter the promised land but committed sexual immorality at Peor were not spared. While our culture does not have ritualized and sacred prostitution like the ancient ones do, it is still far more base and libertine than the cultures of old. Sexual immorality is rampant, normalized, expected, and even lauded as a virtue. Advertisements in print, in shopping malls, on television, would have been scandalous even ten years ago, are now commonplace. Pornography is easily accessible and more and more socially acceptable. Cohabitation and premarital relations are seen as so normal that one that does not want to practice it is seen as extreme. Crude jokes and the like are everywhere, and all are expected to participate in them. But let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Our Lord calls us to chastity in and out of marriage and thought, word, and deed, even as the world continues to change its definitions and norms, and the culture shifts from one which is more compatible to the church to one which is incompatible. For as members of the church, we have been joined to the spotless bride of Christ. Paul continues, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. The people of Israel had tempted the Lord when they complained that the manna that he had given them from heaven was loathsome. 
They desired the savory foods that they had back in Egypt. If God could cause this loathsome, flaky bread to fall from the sky, could he not also do that with onions and leeks and cucumbers and lettuce? They were dissatisfied with what God had given them. They did not trust that he had their best interests in mind and that he was caring for them as he protected them and guided them through the wilderness. They even set themselves against him by thinking that those things that they desired were surely better and more important for themselves than those which God gave. Their plans better than his plans, their ways better than his ways. And so the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, and many of the people of Israel died. So too the people of Corinth tested God when they desired the old pagan way of life, food, celebrations, festivals, and community. The Christian way, the way of the cross, is about forsaking these things, about mortifying our desires and being content with what the Lord has given us through faith. Many not only longed for these things, but they were dissatisfied with what God had provided for them and with what God had called them to be. They were short-sighted, seeing the fleeting things of this world that they left behind, but missing the much greater and permanent gifts of God which awaited them in the resurrection. So Paul warns them that they too not test Christ, not test him who purchased you with his blood so that you may be his own. So for us too, there are many things that we must give up in the world as Christians, but we must not become dissatisfied with our calling, with his gifts, and with his word. We must not test the Lord as those did, for the Lord loves us, and so we should find our contentment, hope, strength, and life and our future in him. Finally, Paul says, do not complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Here he speaks specifically of Korah's rebellion and its aftermath. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were Levites. They were those that served in the tabernacle. They complained to Moses saying, you take too much upon yourselves. For all this congregation is holy, even every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? As Levites, they were blessed to work in the tabernacle, but they were not to be priests. But Korah and his men were jealous of Moses and Aaron, and they desired the priesthood and the leadership. And so there was a test. The men of Korah's choosing on the one side and the sons of Aaron on the other, each offering incense before the Lord. Then the tents, families, and possessions of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were swallowed up by the earth, and the Lord consumed Korah and those men he had chosen with fire which came from the tabernacle, thus demonstrating that God himself had chosen Moses to lead the people, and he had chosen Aaron as his priest. The next day after this awful and terrifying sign, the people of Israel complained against Moses, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. At this, the Lord's anger burned hot against them, and he sent a plague among the people, 
before it was over, 14,700 people had died. Nor complain, Paul writes, as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. In Corinth, there were many who were rejecting Paul as the Lord's apostle. They did not like his correction and admonition. They did not find his way of serving among them in meekness and humility to be that impressive. They began to huddle together in different groups, and they made divisions among themselves based on their preferred teacher or apostle, accepting some and rejecting others. There was a revolt for some, and they did not believe the word as it had been taught, and others sought opinions that fit them and what they wanted to hear better. This problem would become so deeply rooted in Corinth that in the next generation after the death of the apostles, the people of Corinth unjustly removed those who held office over them and replaced them with those that pleased them even more. Brothers and sisters, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the end of the ages have come. The scriptures were not only written down as just merely a record, but they were written for the church, for those who live in these latter and evil days, so that we might know the Lord's will, that we might know both him both in his wrath and in his mercy. Therefore, let he who stands take heed lest he fall. Are we greater than our fathers? They had many great blessings. They saw miracles that would never be repeated. They saw the glory of the Lord in their midst. They knew firsthand his love for them, his care for them, and his protection. Yet he did not spare them when they continually and willfully sinned against him, when they rejected him and what he had given them in place of those evil things for which they lusted. They were confident in themselves, in the blessings, and in fact that and in the fact that God had chosen them, that he had made a covenant with Abraham their father, and that he had given them much and had promised them an inheritance. In all of these things they did not trust him or fear him. They thought they could do as they liked. For he would be with them, after all, he had chosen them, even if they did those things that were in direct opposition to what he had said. We are not greater than they, nor are we greater than those to whom Christ came and who rejected him. If he did this to his people of old because of their sin, he too may do so with us. We have all been baptized into Christ. We have been set free from slavery to sin and death. But we have not yet made it to the promised land. We are still in the wilderness of this life, beset with dangers on all sides, temptations from within and without. So let us not lust after evil things, or give in to those lusts. Let us not become dissatisfied with the great and many gifts that our Lord gives to us by his grace, his word wherein we find the waters of life and food for our souls, his mercy and forgiveness for Christ's sake, which is received by faith, the sacrament, which is the true bread from heaven, for it is the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, given to us as a sign and seal of our redemption, food to strengthen us in our way, 
a meal of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Let us desire these things as is right for people redeemed, chosen, and loved by God. In Romans chapter 11, Paul writes, You will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, severity but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Brothers and sisters, these things were written for our instruction, for our admonition, that we might fear God as is right, and not put him to the test or act defiant in his sight, but rather... Let us who fear him also trust him, continuing in faith, for he is good and merciful, loving and gracious, and his steadfast love endures forever. He has, after all, brought us to himself in the first place. He has raised you from death to life, and he has made you heirs with Christ, even though you did not deserve it in the slightest. So let us trust in him all the more and strive all the more to follow him in obedience because of what he has done for us, trusting that he will bring forth abundant fruit in us if we continue in faith. No temptation has ever overtaken you such as was common to man, writes Paul, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Know, dear brothers and sisters, that the Lord does not seek for you to fall. He does not desire your condemnation, but rather your salvation. For God desires that all will come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. He knows that our life is set about with dangers, especially in these latter days. And so in his goodness and mercy, he does not allow the devil, the world, or even our own flesh to tempt us beyond what we are able to bear. He who put boundaries on the raging seas also sets bounds on the devil. For certain, God himself is not the one who tempts us, nor does he create temptation. But when we are tempted, he, out of his mercy, creates a way of escape. He provides for us, even in temptation, that we may be safe. Temptations may rage against us, but he prevents them from being overwhelming. He ensures that we can bear them. Such is his mercy and grace to us. Yes, we should not be presumptuous, but we should also not despair, for he loves us and cares for us. He is faithful. He is trustworthy, worthy of being relied upon on all times, especially in times of trouble. He, of, out of his grace, has ensured that each temptation may be escaped. He has given us the ability to withstand it. If we do not make use of these means that he has given, it is not because he has allowed the temptation to be too strong, but because we ourselves are frail and have fallen. So let us always trust in him. 
find satisfaction in him and turn to him in repentance whenever we fall daily. For with him there is forgiveness that he may be feared. Let us always seek him in his word, finding for ourselves in that blessed word admonition, encouragement, strength, and hope. And may God grant us such fear, love, and trust in him that we may continue through this wilderness of this life into the promised land of life everlasting through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.